When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to Rum Buncher Radio. Seven days, and the Pirates will be on your TV and radio. Gentlemen, we are so close. Trey Yannity, Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso with you as always. We are joined by staff writer Noah Wright. Noah, it is great to have you on for your second time this season. We're going to get into your, your picks for the season a little bit later on. But gentlemen, we sit now very close to baseball. More details are coming out every single day. Now that we're only a week away, do you guys really believe this thing's going to happen? Yes, I feel like they're going to. I feel like they're going to get some plan. I don't know if they're going to play the entire season, but I know that we're at least going to get started at the very least. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Saturday we're going to get that exhibition game against Cleveland. Like, let's get let's get this thing started. I'm not I'm not too worried about it at this point. I think we're going to get some baseball at least. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you guys. I definitely think the season's going to start next week. I mean, honestly, I'm even excited for Thursday night just to watch the Yankees and the Mets and the Dodgers and the Giants on ESPN just for some baseball. Uh, that'll be yeah. awesome, yeah. Yeah, dude, watch Garrett Cole go out there and shove and just make me cry about that trade some more. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I definitely think the season's going to start next week. Like you guys said, we might not get 60 games in, but you know what? Some baseball is better than that, that's for sure. Any baseball is is really more than enough at this point. And like you said, Nick, they will be playing exhibitions starting this weekend, and we will get right into the thick of things starting on Friday, July 24th in St. Louis. Some details coming out about how Major League Baseball is going to kind of make things seem a little bit more normal than they are. One of the main things is that fan noise is going to be pumped into the stadiums. The fan noise is going to be coming from MLB The Show 2020, I thought that was kind of weird. I don't know. Why, why would you uh, use the fan noise from a video game? Um, I, I don't think there's going to be Matt Baskirchian calls on it. <laughs> um, but, that'd, be, that'd be funny. Yeah. With all the custom calls that Diamond Dice he has, yeah. whether someone is home run. Exactly, exactly. He might, uh, he might make some, some fielders upset if they hear the error call or something. But it's going to be weird any way you draw it. What do you guys think it's going to be like every game day for the players as they step onto the field? It'll definitely be something different. I mean, I know they're used to playing with fans in the stands, obviously. You know, especially some of these bigger market teams, these more successful teams where you have large crowds every night. You're used to all of that. So it's definitely going to be different. You have to bring your own juice. Um, To make a a tie-in here with, like, college football, for example, you know, you'll see sometimes where if you play one of these Midwest teams – 
uh, in the noon slot on a Saturday and you're playing 11 o'clock in the morning in front of 5,000 people and you'll hear coaches say, but you got to bring your own juice. you got to bring your own juice to those sorts of games. I think you're going to see a lot of that this year with baseball where players are going to have to kind of bring the energy because the crowd's not going to be there to do it for them. Um, last night I was watching a Dodgers inter-squad inter game. They were broadcasting and they still had players walk-up music. They still had the organist and all that sort of thing. But I think doing things like that will help the players to try and keep some sense of normalcy, but it's definitely going to be an adjustment period for players to start the year, especially at the stadiums where there are going to be no fans. I know some stadiums are going to have some fans in them, but the ones that have no fans at all, I think it will definitely be an adjustment period for these guys so they get used to it. I also wonder how much of that is um, on the TV side of things as well. You know, uh, as as consumers sit to watch the game, you know, we're used to hearing that crowd noise in the background. You know, we're not used to being able to hear, you know, exactly what might come out of the pitcher's mouth after a bad pitch. Mm-hmm. So I think that might be part of that as well, um, trying to um, – you know, keep the game on TV as natural as possible as well. Certainly. And I think that normalcy is what they're going for, regardless of how they accomplish it. Um, and I think that's a good step towards it. Curtain calls might be a little bit awkward, though. <laughs> now that we uh, now that we are just a week away from baseball, the rosters are becoming a little bit more concrete. I don't want to say anything's official. Obviously, positive tests are coming out every day. Austin Meadows has just tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, but but now that we are pretty close here, how safe can we feel about this roster? Gregory Polanco has not reported the last two days. We're going to get into that in a, in a little bit here further. Who else do we got to worry about? And, and maybe, you know, who else joins the team in that case? Yeah, I really don't think you can just predict who's the most in danger, who's in least in danger. It's kind of just a thing that you got to take day by day and just see what happens. I mean, I, I hope... Polanco's okay. I hope he doesn't have it because he is supposed to play a big role on this team this year after Seattle all last year. And I really think that 2020 could be, you know, a big turning point of a year for him. But uh, yeah, I just don't think this is something that you can really predict to say, oh, well, he's more in danger than that. This is something that she's got to take day by day and just see what happens. Now, like I mentioned, Gregory Polanco uh, has missed the last two um, days at camp reported by Derek Shelton. Don't want to speculate, um, but do we see Gregory Polanco on opening day um, or, or are the Pirates going to be looking for a third outfielder? It's definitely starting to look a little hairy at this point. I mean, it's three days in a row now. Polanco has not been in the field working out the team. Um, as you said, Shelton has not released why. I don't know if it's an injury. I don't know if it's COVID-related. The fact he's not been to the ballpark at all kind of leads me to believe maybe it is COVID-related because if he was injured, I don't see why he wouldn't still be there. But then again, in the world of COVID, I guess you probably want to have as few people there as possible. So guys who aren't going to participate, no matter the reason, probably wouldn't be there. But with Polanco's past injury issues, you know, you've always got to worry with him. It really would be a shame, though, if he is injured again and is not ready to start the season because he, he really does look prime for a big year. I mean, the last two times he was healthy in 16 and 18, he had massive seasons. He was killing the ball in spring training. The Pirates were raving about him in summer camp. So it really would be a shame if Polanco is not ready for opening day. Yeah, and I, th- you know, 
like you said, I was really looking forward to seeing what Polanco could do this year. Like Noah said, uh, you know, maybe turn the corner this year. And I know, I know we say that every year and in 2018, it really started to look like he was doing that before he tore his, uh, labrum there. And he, he hit 280 in the second half of that season, which if he can hit 280 and provide the type of power that just naturally he's going to provide, you know, he's what they need in the middle of the lineup. And I was just excited to see what Shelton could do with him after seeing what Shelton did with Max uh, Kepler last year, you know, very similar kind of big left-handed power hitters. Uh, Kepler hit 36 home runs last year with the twins. So I was really looking forward to seeing if Polanco could maybe have a similar breakout under Shelton. And it's, you know, we've been talking about it pretty much the whole um, season Gregory Polanco is going to be the X factor on this team. I mean, he's going to kind of make or break this offense depending on how healthy he can stay and how well he can perform when he's on the team. Let's say he doesn't show up. Does that lessen the value of the of the Pirates by a significant amount as we think? Or can they kind of find a way to fill that hole? I think it's going to be a pretty big impact to lose Polanco. I mean, when he's healthy, that's, you know, I feel like he can be a guy that can give you 25 home runs, a 270 average, get on base a decent amount, and steal a few bases here and there. That That's a pretty big offensive force you'd be losing with Polanco if he were to be out for a long period of time, or like last year, most, most or all the season. On top of that, Noah, I know, you know, I said this on a previous show, Josh Bell mentioned that this offseason, that was one of the biggest impacts on his second half last year is not having Polanco behind him in the lineup. I think a big thing, too, if you lose Polanco, it's just, who are you going to replace him with? I mean, no slight. Yeah, now you have Dyson and Heredia. Yeah, I mean, Heredia is a great love guy, but he's he's nowhere near the hitter Polanco is. He's a below average hitter. I mean, do you, I don't know, maybe put Osuna out there. Yeah, play Bell or something at yeah, Jason Martin. It's like, but at this point, right now we're, we're patching it up. Yeah. You know, we're mixing the match. And even doing this is risky in a lot of ways. If you want to, you know, roll the dice and say, you stick like Travis Swaggerty out there and see what happens, but you really run the risk of potentially derailing his development. If you put him out there this soon, yeah, you don't want to so, rush someone like Swaggerty up. Exactly. So you're probably going with the patchwork route. You're going to see Jason Martin, or Guillermo Heredia, or maybe Frazier goes out there and you get Cole Tucker. I mean, honestly, I think that's what I would do. Would put That, that would be a good yeah, alternative. Yeah, because you know Frazier's at least going to give you a good glove out there, and you can get Tucker into the lineup and get him and Newman up the middle and sure up that defense and see what Tucker can do playing on a consistent basis. Um, I, I would guess the Pirates would probably just roll with Heredia and maybe like Jason Martin. But personally, I, if, if Polanco is not ready, I would put Adam Frazier in right field, slide Kevin Newman to second base, and play Cole Tucker at shortstop. I like that idea, Marty. Let's send it in. Yeah, mix and match is, is perfect, Marty, because that's kind of going to have to be the case if Gregory does not show up at some point. Um, but mixing and matching is going to kind of be the story for the pitching staff as well in that fifth slot. Joe Musgrove, Trevor Williams, Mitch Keller, and Derek Holland have virtually secured themselves in that one through four. But as we talk about a fifth, several names come up. Do you think the Pirates are any closer to securing one guy for that spot? Or are we going to kind of see a rotation like we have in years past? With the fifth spot to start the season, they seem pretty committed with piggybacking Chad Cole and Stephen Brault. 
Um, they did that in one of the uh, inter-squad scrimmages this week. That's what they did where Brawl pitched three innings and Nicole came in and pitched three innings. So at the start of the year, it appears that that's what they're going to do. Now, let's say one of them really pitches well and the other one struggles. You could see them change and have just one of them take it. It would say they both struggle and maybe someone like JT Brubaker is doing one well in the bullpen. Maybe Brubaker gets a shot to start. But I think to start the year, it, w- it would be a major surprise at this point if for the fifth rotation spot, it's not Brawl and Cole piggybacking starts together. I kind of wanted to see Brubaker in the uh, in the rotation. I've uh, really been, I've really talked about him a lot, but uh, I think Brubaker should get a shot some point throughout the season just to get a start here and there. I, I I'd like to just see what he can do because I think he can. I, I don't think he's gonna be like an ace or anything, but I just think that he can be a solid rotation piece. I'm with you there. No, I think Brubaker's just a, he's the fun pick. Out of that group, but um, I, yeah, consistency with Chad Cool and Stephen Brawl is what they're going for at the bottom there. Real quick, if I can cut in here, uh, speaking of just outfielders and everything, the Kansas City Royals just acquired outfielder Frankie Cordero from the Padres. Uh, you know, I know he was an outfielder that was speculated to be available for trade, and with some years of control, um, you know, some people thought maybe the Pirates would get in on him if. Polanco was looking like he was going to be out long-term and just in general, a young outfielder of upside, but instead he's going to Kansas city who, you know, the another team makes sense for them. Yeah. And a team that the pirates will be playing a, a decent bit more than they regularly would this year. So we'll get a chance to see him and some other great young talent in that division with the pirates. though, a couple of youngsters are joining the extended 60 man pool, Nick Gonzalez and Leo Verguero. Um, I, I I thought that was exciting news. I, I love to see that they're really getting Gonzalez involved early and trying to, you know, get him in the in the organization. He won't be making the team in Pittsburgh, presumably. But what do you guys think about these two joining the sixty man pool? Is this a surprise or is this right on schedule? I was expecting Gonzalez. Um, I think most of the first round picks have been added by teams especially with him being a college player you need to get him in to the organization get him uh starting to develop because he has the type of bat that he could really move up the system quickly so to get him in and moving is was very important now the one that actually surprised me was paguero especially considering you know with the uncertainty with kella and polanco thinking maybe they would add a pitcher, maybe another outfielder. But Paguero, you know, he's the 19-year-old shortstop that came over in the startling Marte trade. He's a consensus top 10 prospect in our system. He's a very good hitter, but he hasn't played above short season ball yet. He hasn't played uh, at low A. So I was really surprised to see that they would give him a 60-man roster spot. But once again, I think it's similar to, you know, why Gonzalez is on the roster. Just a top prospect who Charrington really obviously believes in because he was part of, you know, his first significant trade. So I think it's just, once again, about getting him to Altoona and just letting him work with the, in the new organization and get developing here. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how these two get into camp and, and mesh with the team. It'll be fun to see Ben Sherrington's first returning prospect, Paguero, uh, get involved and, um, you know, get to be a part of the club. As we get closer here to opening day and throughout the season, we're going to be bringing on staff writers like Noah, like Cody, who we talked to last week to give their staff predictions. 
Noah, you were first up um, out of the group here. Let's hear some some thoughts on just the general season, and we'll break down your picks um, in, in just a second here, and maybe uh, you know give some insight on it as well. Uh, talk about what you think the Pirates are going to do here in 2020. So my prediction for their record was 28 in 32. There's now I don't think that when you look at the Pirates roster, they're not an awful team. You know, we're not going to be great, but I mean, there's you know, you got Bell, Reynolds, Newman. You know, Frazier's not the best, but he's He's been consistent, you know, and uh, rotation. You got Musgrove and Keller, but you still got a lot of questions from Williams. How will Brault and Cool? How will that pairing work? You know, if we're are we gonna put Derek Holland in the rotation? How's that gonna turn out? And then we just have a bunch of we have a bunch of young guys in the bullpen too, which I think can be really good. But that's still a lot of guys you ha- you're asking to take the next big step. I. I think a lot of it's going to be carried with the defense and pitching and even some of our offense, but I, I just don't think we're going to be outstanding, but, you know, 28 and 32 isn't awful. Interesting. 28 and 32. What, what got you to that 28 number? I just, I, I basically just, I thought I wanted to pick a number that wasn't, uh, you know, completely, I didn't think we we're going to, oh, I wasn't a person, uh, oh yeah, we're going to win only 10 games. I just thought... You know, I don't think we're going to be 500 exactly because it's hard just to get to 500. But, I mean, who knows what's going to happen this season, you know. But I just thought 28 seems like a decent number of wins for the team. Understandable. What What about uh, if you had to pick a hot take for the year? What would be your hottest take? I think my hottest take was uh, my breakout position player was Jacob Stallings. Uh, a lot of people don't really see – I mean – a lot of people know that he's a fantastic defender. You know, he caught 40% of the runners trying to steal. He's an outstanding framer. But a lot of people don't know that he he can actually be, you know, not bad with the bat either. He had a 96 deserved run average, deserved runs uh, average plus uh, 96, which, you know, not bad for a catcher. And some of his expected stats, like his expected slugging percentage and uh, ex Woba, you know, you're looking, you're not looking at, you know, you're not looking at a Gary Sanchez or a Mitch Garver, but you're looking at a guy that could put up like a 260 batting average and a 750 OPS. And what more could you ask for a catcher who can do as well behind the plate as Stallings can, really? Jacob Stallings has continued to improve and continue to become what seems to be the pitcher's preferred catcher as the season went on last year. Uh, and really the year before that as well. Let's talk about maybe some sleepers, though. Some guys, Jacob Stallings even one of them, but maybe some other guys on the team that are continuing to make their mark and are really going to emerge this season. Now, one of those guys I picked was actually for my breakout pitcher, Clay Holmes. I mean, you know, last year, not very good of a year, but you look at the numbers, he could not control his fastball last year. He walked thirty. He walked 37.9% of the batters he faced with that pitch. And that's that's a lot of batters. That's 14 of the, his 36 walks. And But besides that, his his sinker, his slider, his curveballs, three primary pitches, well, got, they did, batters didn't even register a 400 slugging percentage, and most of them didn't even get a 250 batting average on the pitch, So on those three pitches. So, you know, he works on that fastball or he doesn't use it very much or even at all next year. And, you know, I think Holmes could really be one of the more underrated relief pitchers in baseball. It's going to be so fun to see how Holmes is now with 
Oscar Marin compared to how he was with Bray Searage. But Holmes, I'm going to be honest, Noah, is, is one of the guys in that bullpen I think is, you know, maybe a little bit less than we expected out of him. Um, I don't put many guys in there. Maybe Michael Felice in that category as well. Yeah, I think you're right with Holmes there. He was one of those pitchers that Neil Huntington drafted. Uh, I believe he was like a ninth round pick in 2011, maybe. And he got a, a large signing bonus, you know, one that was well over the slot value. And so he kind of came in with the expectation that he would grow into something. And obviously he has, you know, he's made the big leagues and, you know, he has a fat power fastball and a good slider. Like Noah said, it's just a matter of if he can get it controlled. Uh, hopefully if a new pitching coach, Oscar Marin, maybe he can, you know, tap into that a little bit and get him to hone in his pitches a little bit, because really when it comes to just pure stuff, he has some of the best pure stuff on the team. And so if he can, if him and Stallings can, get that worked out and get him throwing more strikes, then I think he can reach that, you know, top 15 prospect potential that he was rated as. And then in terms of Stallings, Noah, you're spot on, bud. Uh, Stallings, as, as you know, Dave uh, Slusser, who's been on here a few times, he always says he's a top five catcher in the game, even top two. Um, you know, I think Dave's being a little aggressive with that right now, but he definitely has that all around game and he does more with the bat than people realize. And I think it's because no one has ever really expected much from him. No one even really heard of him coming up through the minor leagues, unless you pay it really pay attention to the pirates minor leagues. So the only reason he really got any press when he did get called up was because his dad was the basketball coach, but he's done every level he has surpassed expectations and he just keeps doing that. And I think the Pirates pitching staff is definitely in good hands. Yeah. And with, you know, Stallings is really going to help the pitching staff. Like you said, the, you know, having a good catcher you're comfortable with makes a huge difference than somebody that you, you're not very comfortable with. And, you know, for sure, considering the defense he brings, how good of a pitch framer is, that's two things that, uh, Elias Diaz really wasn't that great at last year, but uh, you that's a huge difference in terms of just how good defensively, and that can completely change the pitching staff. Yeah, I'm with you guys on Stallings. I, I think he can have a very good year. I also think the Pirates are very comfortable with Stallings, and that's why you didn't see them pursue other catching options more aggressively in the offseason. I mean, yes, they brought in Luke Miley. Yes, they brought in... John Ryan Murphy, but you didn't see him go out and really acquire a surefire number one catcher. And it's because I think Stallings can be that guy. Like you guys said, he is terrific defensively. He's a very good pitch framer. He does a great job of handling the pitching staff. And he's a better hitter than than anyone wants to give him credit for. I mean, last year, there was a reason that he was the guy that the starters wanted to catch him in their starts. And if you look at the Pirate numbers, I don't have them right in front of me. But I do know there was a substantial difference in the team ERA, in the team slugging percentage allowed, even in the team's winning record when Stallings was behind the dish and when it was Diaz or Cervelli or whoever. So I do think Stallings is in store for a big year. And I like the Clay Holmes pick as well. As you guys have touched on, Holmes has some terrific stuff. 
it's a matter of putting it all together for him at this point. And if Oscar Marin can tap into that with Holmes, you know, they, the Pirates could really have a very solid middle reliever on their hands with him. You, I mean, he has so much movement on his pitches, like a sinker and slider and curveball, you know, and he can throw his curveball or sinker in the up to the mid 90s. I mean, I feel like there's got to be something there to make him a really underrated relief pitcher. I'll never forget that his like first spring training, he like pitched a game. He didn't even have his last name on his back yet, you know, and I was watching, it was late and my dad was watching a game with me and he was like, who is this guy? And I, I knew a little bit about him, but I didn't realize just how nasty his stuff was. It was just taken off. And then really then he could not control it though. He's <laughs> just so raw. And I think if you, like, like you said, Mark, I think if you can contain that and get the right pitching coach, which I think we have in Oscar Marin now, that's a guy that could be your eighth inning guy or even, you know, a potential starter down the road. Um, but I guess with all of the pitchers in this bullpen, a lot of young guys, how much leash do they get? Does that change now that Marin is in charge versus when Uncle Ray was at the helm? I think this season in general could have an impact on that too. Um, I mean, if you look at a guy who's struggling, for example, it's going to be a small sample size no matter what with it only being 60 games. So I think that'll be a factor. I think in games it could be different too. A lot of that will hinge on Shelton as well. But it's, it's going to be different this year, that's for sure, because with the shortened season and with all that, it's going to be unlike any season we've seen before. So I will be very curious to see how short of a leash they have on some of these guys. Where in the past, if you see a pitcher struggle over the course of a month, month and a half, you might look to move them to a different role, bring something up for the minor leagues, whatever it might be. Well, by the time the season starts, you get a month, month and a half in, you're only going to have 20, 30 games left. So it will be very curious to see how that does work out. So, Noah, you had the Pirates winning 23 games this year, which probably wouldn't uh, – 28. 28, excuse me. Still probably not quite enough to win the division. Uh, so if you had to look in your crystal ball for me and give me a division winner, and maybe let's say even a World Series winner, who would that be? Now, for the div- are we going with the National League Central for the division? Yeah, we'll, we'll start with the Central, and then you can give me a, maybe a more broad. National League, it's really, really tough to predict who's going to win the National League Central, if you ask me. The Cubs, the Brewers, the Cardinals, and the Reds, to me, all look like teams that if, they, if you told me they won it at the end of the year, I won't be surprised. I, re- I think the Reds are really, really underrated. They added a lot of good pieces this offseason, but I just feel like the Cardinals are just going to be the Cardinals and win anyway, because it seems like no matter what year it is, the Cardinals are going to be good. I'm going to go with the safe bet. Marty, Marty's blood is, is boiling. Sounds like our we last can't see team coming out of my ears right now. <laughs> no, but I think you're right, Noah. The Cardinals, they, uh, I think, are probably in the best position just between their pitching bullpen and lineup to um, – you know, put it together to win the central. They're a pretty safe bet. It seems like they're always uh, in it. They're never out of it. I think the Cubs and the Brewers are going to take steps back. And I think the Reds are going to, I think the Reds could take a step forward, but I I think, you know, we talked a little on the last show. Sometimes when you have teams with those high expectations, you know, they fall flat type of thing. So it's just too glamorous. I think in Cincinnati. Yeah. And again, with the Cardinals, Cardinals, someone could get hurt. That poor guy up from the Gulf Coast League, and he'll throw a no hitter because it's the Cardinals, and that's what they do. Now we got, now we got Marty uh, 
all mad. He's going to go to sleep tonight thinking about the Cardinals and his hatred for him. So we got to, we better change the subject a little bit. Hopefully it's not St. Louis in the world series for you, Noah, but, but who are going to be your two teams from the L and the NL representing um, the world series this year? It's really hard to like with any, anything like a season like this, it's really hard to predict who's going to be, who's going to, how many games are you going to win? To me, this is like a complete crapshoot this year. It could, you know, you could get a hot streak and, you just happen to be there. I mean, safe bet. I would go with like the. I would go with the Yankees and the Dodgers. That'd be the safe bet. Which you know, if if you which you know you look at them, they're really good, and they could you know make it on that. But I think I. I mean, I think one of the more underrated teams is uh, the Braves. You know, you got they have such a young core with uh, Albies. And uh, Free- well, Freeman's not really part- really young, but he's still one of their most re- one of the most reliable batters in baseball. They're bringing up a lot of their prospects, and they have a really young pitching core too, which I think they could be one of the more underdogs going into the playoffs. Yeah, I like the Braves pick. That that's who I was thinking as kind of my wild card World Series team, just because, like you said, they have a lot of young talent on that team: Acuna, Alves. Um, obviously leading the way for them, and they're just going to continue to get better. Plus, like you said, they have a lot of good young power pitching, and they might be the type of team that if they get off to a hot start, they don't look back. Obviously, American League, like you said, the Yankees, they make the big splash of acquiring Garrett Cole in a shortened season when you're running out um, him in that lineup. It's going to be hard to uh, keep up with the Yankees. Yeah, and for American League, I get. I mean, I really, I really, really want to see them in the playoffs and make it deep. I really want to see the Rays do something because, and I would be surprised if they did. You see that starting, you see that starting rotation. You know, Glassnell, Morton. Yeah, that, that's pretty sad, but still, Glassnell, Morton, Snell. That's a really good first three pitchers, and they still have a lot of more young prospects to fill out the rest. That and. You know, their offense is a, not bad. You know, they brought in Renfro, who is a big home run hitter. They got Meadows, too. That's also pretty sad. But still, you know, I think they could... I, I just really want to see them go deep in the playoffs. They, of course, also have, you know, one of the top left-handed pitching prospects in baseball, Brendan McKay from Blackhawk High School. Uh, a two-way player, right? So, and he, he definitely... Uh, he made his debut last year, so he'll be... Uh, probably making a big uh, impact on that team this year. That's such an interesting team and, and really such an interesting division this year. Um, but I, I like that pick too. And it's funny because I think last now Morton in Pittsburgh, That's that sounds just terrible, but some kind of Tampa Bay magic has this too, really dominating down there. Um, I, I like the pick. No, I think that's uh, that's an interesting one. We've heard a lot of White Sox. I feel like that's, Kind of the general sleeper pick in the AL is them losing uh, Copic really uh, took that back a little bit for me. Their pitching staff uh, really needed him this year. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you know, it's it's really going to be interesting. We mentioned it a couple episodes ago to see some of these teams. One player test positive. All of a sudden, you see ten, you know, twelve players test positive. That completely changes the dynamic of a team. And like you mentioned a minute ago, Noah, there's so many variables this year, 60 games. It's so hard to, to judge who's going to be in those positions um, when it comes time. But 
thank you for for being the uh, the guinea pig here and giving us your picks. Um, and, you know, hopefully the Pirates will find a way to win more than twenty eight games, but uh, realistic, if nothing else, I, I like it. Uh, we're gonna have Noah on as the season continues, and we're gonna have along uh, a lot of great staff writers who's gonna be giving their projections as well. And come just seven days, Marty, Nick, and I will be giving our two thousand and twenty season projections. But until next time, that is all we have for you on episode number eight of Rum Buncher Radio. Thank you for joining us. As always, you can find us on fansided.com slash rumbunter, on Apple Music, and on our social media as well. Thank you for joining us. For Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso, my name is Trey Andy. Let's go Bucks. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.